0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What Do We Call This Podcast. I am your host, Kaylin. Uh, this is just your reminder to not forget to rate and follow the podcast, please. So far, still just on Spotify. Um, it really helps out the podcast. I've been seeing some of you doing it, so it means my reminder is working. So thank you all. Uh, let's see. Any other reminders? Um... Oh, I have the questionnaires. I think I've mentioned that a few times. We did our first listener write-in episode last week, and it was super awesome. Me and Kiara were cracking up a bunch at your stories, um, shamelessly, of course. Y'all had some funny shit to share, which I greatly appreciated. Um, Yeah, with that being said, there are totally so many, I want to say like four other Categories of stories you can write in. So in the future, I would love to have more of those from you or you know, share it with your friends. And um, you know, we get to hear more about what y'all have to say in your lives. Um let's see. Check out the polls and questions, uh, I guess element is what you would say for Spotify. You guys get to engage with the episode itself whenever I put those questions on there, and it's just fun to see what you guys think about some of the funny stuff that was in the episode or, you know, really thought-provoking, whatever it may be. Um, Today, we are joined by Bruce Alexander, host of the Authentic On Air podcast. This is my first fellow podcaster guest coming on, and he was gracious enough to hop on with me last minute today just due to another guest dropping off. Um, Alex's mission with this podcast is nurturing a space to explore authenticity and how it can show up and affect our day-to-day selves. So go check it out, please. Um, I'll include all those details in our episode description below. Hi, Alex. How's it going? <laughs>
1: Hi. It's so nice to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm going to correct you on this because it happens all the time. It's that a big <laughs> deal. Uh, Alex is my, or Alexander is my last name. Bruce is my first name. So I get called Alex all the time. Oh my gosh. Bruce. <laughs> It it happens all the time. It is really not a big deal. For some reason, (laughs) uh, Alex, Brian, and Robert are the three things I most mistakenly get called, and I don't know why Brian and Robert, but Alex I actually understand, so it's not a problem at all.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about that. I have I I have it in there. I'm I'm I apologize. (laughs) I,
1: I promise you, I'm not upset at all. I went through half an episode recording calling a woman whose name is Anna. Anna and oh, okay. i promised my wife i wouldn't do that and i did it anyway so it was like i knew going in and i still did it and so that was so embarrassing oh luckily i had to re-record part of it so i i fixed it but it, yeah, like, she was sitting right across from me and i was like why didn't she say something so <laughs> i wanted to avoid that
0: well that's awesome i I don't think I would have called you Alex throughout the episode because I even have it up here, you know, in our little platform. It's interview with Bruce. And then down here in my notes, for whatever reason, it was like two first names. Boom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can call me Alex if you want to. I don't really care.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. You're Bruce. That's your name. I'm calling you by your name.
1: (laughs) Yes. Call me by my name. So
0: is your middle name Brian or Robert then? Or that's just so random?
1: My middle (laughs) name is Wayne, like Batman. That's awesome. Bruce Wayne. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know where the Robert or the um No
1: idea. I think I, I have the look of a Robert, I guess, because it's like oh, that's interesting. Hey Robert, I'm like, no, not me. Oh. Okay. Oh, and and man. I, I've also been told I look like a lot of people, and that's okay. weird cuz I've never I've only seen one person who said that provide something that was actually substantial. Other times it oh. was like we don't look anything alike. <laughs> like, hmm. I don't know.
0: You're like, "Okay, that's weird. That's weird." Whatever you say. <laughs> well, where are you phoning in from today?
1: I am phoning in from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Woo-hoo. They they call us the like Midwest South. Uh like we're we're in the middle of everywhere while being in the middle of nowhere. So it's really an interesting place to live.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you grow up like in the state of Oklahoma itself too or how did you mm-hmm. end up in the city?
1: Yeah, I've been. I grew up in Oklahoma. Like, I, I was born in Oklahoma City, moved to Tulsa. My parents divorced, and gotcha. moved back to Oklahoma City uh, to become a firefighter. And was did that for almost ten years. And now I am like I've left that journey, and I now do podcasting. And I'm an authenticity and identity coach.
0: Right on, right on. Yeah, that's it. That's an interesting pipeline. I like, yes. I like it. I like it. I have two um, firefighters in my family, so it's cool oh, to hear yeah? that. But then hear like the totally different direction you went afterwards.
1: Yeah, It's it's a, it is definitely a great career for yeah. um, for a lot of people. For me, like with my ADHD and the way that I am, I didn't ever really fit in. Like it's, okay. it's a very cliquey culture. And if you if you fit in and you are one of the guys and it is the best job of the entire world, but if you don't, it can be really lonely. And I I felt that a lot. Hmm. And it was much it was tough on me. And leaving that yeah. job was was one of the hardest things I ever did. But it it was probably one of the better things for my long term mental health I've ever done.
0: Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's like you were in that for ten years, and you recognize that for yourself. Like within those ten years, how how soon did you recognize that that was kind of a big deal for yourself, like for your mental health and everything where you really noticed it affecting your like so, life outside honestly, of work? Honestly, like
1: whenever I was honest with myself about it, it was mm-hmm. eight, eight, like seven to eight years in, I started okay. noticing it immediately. Because mm-hmm. like it is, you know, the first year they tell you, this is going to be the hardest year of your life. Okay. Like you, you do that, you know, you're a recruit and you you're willing to sacrifice Pretty much all of yourself to get onto this job, like that's that's the the trade off. It's like you're gonna be taken care of for the rest of your life. You're gonna have a career. You're gonna have a you know this family that's gonna take it. So, you know, I was willing to give up that first year, but the second year, whenever I still was being treated like my first year and other Mm -hmm. people weren't, is whenever I started to immediately take a toll on me. Is like, oh, I don't fit in, and instead of you know being honest because you you buy in yeah you have to buy in because you know you're running into burning buildings when other people are yeah. running away from that, so you have to trust that you're doing a great job and that you are part of this thing that's really important, which you are, but the culture that comes along with it is not necessarily great for everyone, and I couldn't separate the two i you know it was like I'm doing this great job it's important that I continue to sacrifice myself to do this great job because if I don't then. You know, somebody else will, and I want to. I want to do something important. I want to be, um, I want to be part of this. You know, it, the helping people part. The job was amazing. Like it, it was really fulfilling, and I was, I was pretty good at it. But the living with, you know, living with people for twenty-four hours who don't like you and don't like appreciate who you are as a person, and really go out of their way to isolate you is, is really, really tough. And I couldn't just say, like, this part about the job is bad, and it's, it's, hurting, it's hurting my mental health. I need to probably look at doing something else. It was never an option because once you're in, like, the amount of blood, sweat, and tears you put into it, opting out is almost, it's almost unfeasible. So, like, nobody ever leaves the fire department on their own accord until it's mm-hmm. time to retire, and you've, you've collected all the good stuff you can from it. So that was really difficult. And I was put in a situation where it's like I had to choose to either go to court with them and fight or leave the job of my own accord. And I, and I left the job because it had become obvious at that point I could no longer lie to myself and say, you know, this is this is the best for me and my family. It wasn't even close anymore. So, yeah, I got out. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, that's heavy. I know we're not like going into the nitty gritty details of it. Like obviously share as much or as little as you want regarding the details of that. Not that those even matter because now, I mean, they do matter, but it's like, you're where you are now. And like you have, you know, more of that space for yourself and everything. I keep like wanting to reach right here when I hear all that, because it's like, you're speaking to me, but it's also like, I'm hearing it from a different perspective. Like for you as a man versus me as a woman, you know, like mm-hmm. we all experience those kinds of things to some regard in society, you know what I mean, and I feel yeah. like men don't talk about it as often, so it's an interesting perspective to hear because mm-hmm. like i I quit a forestry job, that's something that I talked about in the first few episodes of the podcast, um because me and my partner are traveling long term and wanted to try that out, and it wasn't you know obviously something we could do remote, but I remember like seeing the side of things for, like, electric linemen and that kind of thing and, like, what their work culture was like versus Mm. the, you know, tree-hugging people that I worked with as foresters and how different that was and, you know, also just keeping in mind, like, you know, my dad and my brother are firefighters and that kind of thing and never once did it cross my mind, like, what, what the, like, macho culture of it would be is like kind of what I'm hearing. If there's like yeah. a little bit of bully culture or something, I feel like that's
1: just like. oh, there's definitely, there, <laughs> You have to know if you've got family that there's a, there's a bully culture and hazing is uh. such a big part of it that, you know, there's definitely been a lot of progression in that. And just, just so you know, there's like I've told you, like previous uh, to us reporting, you can ask me whatever you want. And I'll be honest, you know, to my knowledge, because mm-hmm. the stuff that I've been through has put me where I'm at. Like yeah. I'm really happy with where, I, where I exist in this world now. So I'm not going to let any of that stuff hold sway over how I feel about my life now. So like, yeah, I'm totally free to talk about it, but that bully culture and that, you know, it's definitely a boy's club and Mm -hmm. even more specifically, it is a white man's club. And if you aren't, if you aren't, I'm not going to say you can't be black and be in that club, but if you're not a good looking fit black dude, then you have to be exemplary on every single part of it. And I wasn't socially great at that. I
2: mm-hmm. was.
1: I always had questions, and that's not what you're supposed to do. And you're, especially in your first two years in the job, you're not supposed to ask why you're doing this and why you're doing that. You're supposed to hmm. do what you're told, and you can maybe ask questions to, of specific people later. But it is very much, you know, they they say that they don't want this anymore. It's called neck downers, which is people who. Are they're they're there to work from the neck down. They don't want your brain. They want your body to be there to do the mm. lifting, to do the cleaning up, do the hard, the heavy labor. And I was I was never built that way. I was always asking like, wouldn't it be easier if we did this? And so I got called lazy. It's like, well, what if we considered this? And it's like you're trying to you're trying to avoid work. And it's like, no, I'm trying to do something smarter. And I'm trying to be safer. I'm trying to like. And so then I was told I was scared of fire because like I wanted to know if we could do this other thing that seemed like it was a safer way. And I was like, no, I'm not scared. I'm Mm -hmm. just, I'm thinking. And they, anytime they were faced with me having a thought, they assumed the very worst possibility of it. And that that was not healthy for me or really anybody else, but especially for me who was, I'd always prided myself on my ability to be a critical thinker and to, you know, have conversations to develop things. And they took that away from me. They said, stop talking so much, stop thinking and just do. Nobody cares what you think and nobody wants to hear hear you talk about this. For the first three years, solid, it was like that. And then in my you know, as I as I promoted, because you know, the tests are there you're given the information and then you were take you take a test. There's no there's nothing objective about it. It was just you either you can do it or you couldn't. And I and I excelled in all that stuff. So With that, I was able to keep moving up in rank, even though they didn't respect the way I thought. And whenever I had rank, you have to respect rank to a degree. And, you know, so it made things a little easier. People didn't outright tell you to shut up, but you could tell that people didn't respect you the way that they respect somebody that really got on with everybody. And, you know, that was that was always difficult.
0: Yeah, that's hard. And then, like, looping back to the safety culture side of it, like, that's scary to think about when, like, you know, someone on the outside who hasn't done, like, a fire job, mm-hmm. all this, like, citizen C is like, oh, like, there's these heroes and they're doing this, and it must be some kind of brotherhood or whatever. Um, but because if we're going to be real, it's also like a male dominated field. You know what I mean? Yeah, um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's. That's so difficult. And I wonder how as you ranked up, were there ever newbies or like other people that you could kind of see were in a similar position that you were in and it was easier to like make a connection with them? Or was that like, like, how did you feel about that?
1: Like, was there a way for you
0: to be that person for people that you didn't have for yourself when you started? I
1: definitely always tried to be that person. So like what they say is whenever you You know, you're a firefighter, you're new to the station, whatever. You're supposed to have a mentor who is supposed to be basically the person who is next up in line from you. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're your your immediate superior. Whenever I got in that position and I tried to help the people under me, they told me to shut up. Like the people over me said, you don't have the right to tell them to do this, this and that. And I was like, the person who was above me gave me this information. I'm just passing it on. And Mm -hmm. they said, we don't want you to do that. They, they literally told, like, they didn't trust me to give the most basic information, like, from uniform to whatever, to the guy who's under me. I was told that that's no longer, like, anytime it came to anything that was rank-based, and it's always been this way, whenever it was my turn in that rank, they took that power away from me. Hmm. And, you know, that was really difficult until, like, until, now those were just the automatic promotions from uh, firefighter to corporal. Um, that, that was generally... A, when you're a corporal, everybody's cool with you. You know, you don't get told what to do a whole lot. And you're kind of the working man of the station. And you get, like, all the corporals and the firefighters do everything done together. I was not treated that way. Like, I was still treated like I was a, you know, brand new firefighter who didn't have any idea how to do the job I was doing. And that was really, really, really hurtful because I yeah. did understand. And I just didn't, I didn't socially relate to those people the same way. We didn't like doing the same things, but I I tried to do the things with them. I tried to, you know, have conversations and we would sometimes, but certain people had such strong personalities that outweighed the people I was able to win over that they would just, they'd collapse back to the other side whenever we were in group situations and, you know, either force me out or focus on me and like all just take turns making me feel bad. Yeah. And, you know, talking about how fat I was or, you know, how lazy and stupid and slow, which is which is wild because, like, I'm not a stupid person at all. Like, I I've always succeeded in, in school and they use that against me because, you know, we had to study for, you know, to drive the engine. You have to understand hydraulics. Mm-hmm. And it's a very math based thing. And I was like, man, I haven't done math in so long. You're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I was really good in math in, in high school. So Mm -hmm. I tested out in 10th grade and I haven't done any math since 10th grade. And they were like, oh, he's too smart to do math. So that's why he gets it. He's so smart. And so then there was just such increased anxiety every time we did the math stuff. And then they put me up in front of the entire station to do problems on the board of hydraulic stuff that I had just learned that day. And it's just the anxiety increased and increased to where it was, it was almost impossible to be able to think how to do this stuff Mm
2: -hmm. with anybody
1: around. And. So then, yeah, it seemed like I was pretty stupid.
0: Yeah. And it's like your brain Long shuts stuff. down, too, with that stressor. And that's yeah. not a good feeling. Like, no. how, how, could you pr- how could you perform at your best when the people who are supposed to be teaching you and coaching you and helping you learn that stuff aren't even treating you so? like? No, yeah, it
1: was very It was. It – was, I'm not going to say it was impossible because I did – I got yeah. through it. I passed all the tests. And, but part of that was also because they were so extremely hard on me. That whenever I got to the actual testing facility, it was like, are you serious? You guys mm-hmm. did all this, like made me study this much for this stupid test that's super easy and that I just, you know, floated through. It was like, thanks, but like, I'll pass next time.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't like that. It's like you you want to believe, you know, when you're growing up and just like me being in my mid 20s like i i want to believe that like that kind of stuff is phasing out with like that kind of bullying and i don't know how long ago this was for you when you did mm-hmm. how how many years or months is it recent when did you leave
1: so i i left 6 months no 6 8 months ago um, wow okay but the the testing for um like uh sorry aoa uh which is apparatus operators academy that mm-hmm. was 8 years like no seven years ago six or seven years ago right so that but just like a while ago
2: okay okay okay
1: yeah and the culture is changing like it is getting better as a whole because the the people who are in charge now are they're they're more equitable people they believe Mm -hmm. in good things but there's still a lot of old culture peoples who are still in the field and it takes a while for them to age out and they have the loudest voices and you know, and also they've got the seniority. So until they're gone, you know, they're going to tend to be able to exert the way they want things done. And, um, you know, I'm definitely not saying that everybody in the fire department is bad or, you know, doesn't like everybody who does that has to have at least a, a sliver of good in their soul because they, they work to save lives every day. And I respect that. But there are a lot of people who, that good is outweighed by the fact they don't treat the people that they deal with on a day-to-day basis with the respect they deserve
0: yeah it's like that that bro culture is still prevailing a little bit but you want to hope Mm -hmm. that that's not the case because i don't know some of the like i guess bullying tactics is the best like phrase that comes to mind off the top of my head for Mm -hmm. you know the stuff that you were experiencing i hear that and i'm all well, that's sounding like stuff that like middle school boys would be doing. So why is that still happening? Like, I want to think higher up people would see that kind of stuff happening. But, you know, if they're the ones causing it, that's a totally different problem. But, you know, even if they're the ones observing that kind of behavior, it's like, why would you not want to call people out on being childish? Like, Mm -hmm. if we're going to go there with bullying tactics, like make people feel embarrassed for freaking not, you know, being a yeah. decent human being who's there to save lives, just like you mentioned, that's so yeah. freaking frustrating. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you you know took that step for yourself, and I'm sure that didn't come at you know any easy pace, but you're here now. And yeah.
1: I mean, don't that, wrong. The... I do miss the the safety and security of having uh, you yeah. know a really great job that has really great insurance and paid really really well. Like in Oklahoma City, we are you know in the tri-state area were like one of the sec- first or second highest paid fire departments in, in the area. So I was, mm-hmm. I was making great money whenever I left and that was hard. And now, you know, my life is financially insecure, but the amount of emotional and mental security I have is it way outweighs the amount of um, frustration. And I mean, really, really emotional abuse that I was you know existing in. So, yeah. Yeah. There's that. I mean,
0: it just opens up so much space for you to like build it back up for yourself just in a different way. Like with that, my first question for you was what did you want to be growing up when you were a kid? Was it a firefighter? I did not want
1: to be a firefighter. My dad was a firefighter. So, um, my dad was doing it and he was gone all the time because he was a Mm full-time firefighter and he was a part-time, uh, ambulance driver. So he was gone for 36 hours at a time. And so I had no desire to be in the fire department because I wanted to actually have a family and be part of it so um growing up I wanted to be there was a period I wanted to be in the uh ATF the alcohol alcohol tobacco and firearms like SWAT team like I wanted to kick in doors and like go get bad guys and that lasted until I was like um late middle school and then I started to realize that money didn't really exist in civil service <laughs> so like I started to really just be motivated by money and the things I wanted to do until I actually got into college, and I thought I wanted to be a a, a, gosh, a corporate lawyer, and okay. I was, that was not at all true. I, I got into one class that was involved, and I was like, oh, you actually have to want to do law, and I don't want to do that either. So then I figured out I wanted to be a publicist, and that's actually what I wanted to do for a long time. Because I like talking to people and, you know, I like using words to persuade points and stuff like that. And I got a little bit down that road and got into some trouble in college and uh, got kicked out and did not think I was going to be able to do anything. So I just worked uh, retail and restaurants and stuff for a few years thinking that I was going to be a loser for the rest of my
2: life because I went Hmm. to jail once. I hate that that's
0: even the way that it's like... Pushed down on you if there's a mistake you made or like whatever it may be you know what i mean like
2: yeah
0: we're all coming from so many different backgrounds and that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. you're just you're just trying to figure it out Uh, arguably maybe still are trying to figure it out like i i remember asking my i remember asking my mom uh, this might have been like my last year in college or maybe it was like the six month period of like not really having a job until i had gotten one out of college where i was like how do you know like what life is supposed to be I guess that's a bigger question but I remember asking her like you know how do you figure this stuff out and she was like Kaylin, I'm like 40 whatever and I'm still trying to figure it out I'm all okay so yeah (laughs) why do we put all this pressure on ourselves to even like have it all figured out
1: (laughs) absolutely and you know and a a lot of that had to do with me trying to put myself in this box of like in order to be successful you have to be able to do this this and this mm-hmm. and if you have a record you can't do all of this stuff and what's funny is like i had a, like, a misdemeanor and a deferred like sentence for the rest of it and i was on probation for a while but to me yeah like because i'd been to jail it was the same as if i killed somebody basically because i like i oh because that's all people see Ugh. yeah and it's you know and that's how people think about going to jail oh, yeah. like the collateral mm-hmm. consequences of being somebody who's been to jail are really crushing in our society because we're so our society is so much about punishment and you know and guilt and shame and Mm -hmm. suffering and not about like trying to heal and um and like avoid recidivism like there's just there's not a whole lot of things that say hey you made a mistake let's let's try to focus on not doing that again it's more you made a mistake like you better disappear and stay out of the way or else we're going to come back and get you next time." Like, yeah divorce.
0: yeah um, so it's just I like, felt
1: that really hard
0: <laughs> it's like instilling that fear in people and like you take a you know basic psychology class and you hear about the studies that have been done that show like positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement like mm-hmm. you learn from something so much better with positive reinforcement than absolutely. the opposite you know it's like mm-hmm. and that. you know that's a very simple way to break that down but it's like
2: yeah.
0: it's how our brains work and yeah, it's, it's a shame that that's you know what our society feeds off of
1: it is definitely a shame and i I, <sighs> I don't live that way anymore and i have yeah. four kids and uh, i focus on trying to raise them not out of fear and guilt and shame mm-hmm. but um, trying to learn to be you know the, the qualities that i wish i had been raised with that's resourceful yeah. and you know uh being able to work as part of a community and a team and being able to communicate well like those are the things that are important to me now. and now Trying to avoid the fear that I still have because it doesn't just go away because you decide that that's not the way you want to be, you still have to deal with that on a daily basis, and you have to look at the things that you're doing intentionally and making sure that you're not like you know continuing on that generational trauma and that Mm -hmm. you know societal trauma as well. And you're just really trying to focus on because raising human beings is an important job, and um, I take it pretty seriously, and (laughs) we homeschool, and so there's a lot of thought that goes into that but it's you know um, don't get me wrong I'm not like you know number one dad or anything there's a lot of mistakes well, that still get made yeah, and of sometimes course. that stuff creeps in and you know you just have to be mindful and try to try to be better going forward
0: yeah yeah there there's no one perfect person at it there's probably there's no perfect person at anything <laughs> for right? anything yeah. or even just you know as a whole in general but it's it's nice to hear that more people are recognizing that a little bit more. Like, it definitely inspires me hearing that from you as a parent, because I know I want kids, mm-hmm. and it's something I'm, like, you know, constantly got rattling on back in my dome. I'm like, how do I not fuck my children up? <laughs> <laughs> These theoretical children I don't have yet.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing is, keep asking that question. Like, whenever you're not asking, like, how do I not fuck up my children? You're probably fucking them up. Like, like that's, if you're unaware of the fact that you could be fucking them up, you're probably fucking up like that's just that's mm. my take on it just you know the the hardest, it's a hardest to be aware. <laughs> it's is self-awareness absolutely it's a self-awareness <laughs> that when you do do something that's gonna fuck them up you try to fix it you know yeah. i have I, on my on my podcast i talked with a lady named regina joy and she talked about how she spanked her kids and how that affected her when she realized you know years down the road she'd made a mistake
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of parents through that feeling, you know. I I've my hands on one of my children one time, mm-hmm. and it felt so bad. I was like, I'm never doing that again. This this does not feel right to me, and I'm not going to tell anybody else how to raise their kids. But for yeah. me, it did not feel right, and I was like, I you know apologized, and I still feel bad about it. But she pushed through that, and she later on said, I, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't pushed through that feeling. Now I she's making a concerted effort to talk to her children and like have an open conversation about like, I'm sorry, you know, they're the youngest one's 16 now. I'm sorry. I did this thing. I would like to, you know, repair our relationship and try to heal from that. And that's, that's something that's so important is that it's never too late to to fix our fuck ups as parents. You know, it's a lot of people getting that, like that cycle of thinking like, well, I messed up. Now I can't do anything and they feel sorry for themselves. And it just creates a cycle of messing up more and, getting worse and worse because now your kids are angry at you and they're messing up more so then you're more angry at them and you're getting you know you're punishing them more and it's just you know really awful cycle you know and I'm not a I'm not a a parent coach but I think that showing up authentically in your relationship with your children is so important and that self-awareness of saying like hey I didn't do this part right or
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know
1: if I'm doing it right but I'm trying really hard because kids are they're really, really so much smarter and so much more intuitive than people give them credit for. They, you know, my daughter knows that she can see a fight coming way down the road and she she's now gotten to the point because I've emp- empowered her to do so. to like, hey, you guys need to stop. Like, yeah. you don't need to talk about this. It's not important. You guys are getting caught up on something that doesn't matter. And it's so hard to look at a, you know, a 14-year-old and say, she's being she's being really wise right now, but you mm-hmm. have to step back and look and say, like, Okay, she's seeing something that we are not seeing let's try to back up and and respect the fact that these little people are people and they they can feel things just like we can and they can see the bad stuff going
2: wrong and yeah they're yeah they're great
0: oh it's wild i, I know if i could not that i want to change anything because i like where i'm at now and everything leads yeah. to blah 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 you know all that stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. with that being said like you know if i could go back to school i guess maybe be a better way to phrase it i would love to dive into um child development i think it's so interesting and like it definitely serves to teach us in ways more than just like you want to be a teacher or what that's the first you know thing i could think of for you know that career path but like it it gives you so much more insight into yourself too with like questioning what are the things that I experienced as a kid that maybe yeah. weren't so great? And like, how do you like make peace with it, set your boundaries, you know, moving forward as an adult and like still maintain a relationship or choose not to with someone in your family. And uh, I just, it's, it's fascinating and also heartbreaking to think about, but like, you know, with all that stuff comes really good things when you discover yeah, and more and more about yourself, you know,
1: that that's part of what I do with my client work is that We look back at your story and we, you know, we discuss some of those things that maybe you let go and address. And we kind of try to tie together the, um, the now and how those things in the past may be affecting the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Because for me, that was like, I kept making the same mistakes in my, in my marriage over and over again. And I couldn't, like, I just kept trying to fix it on the surface. Mm -hmm. And until I actually unpacked all of my crap, like I laid everything yeah. out on the table and had a real honest conversation with both my wife and myself, I was unable to address the root issue. And so much of it came from my my lack of stability as a child and the, the examples of what a marriage was, I was given from mm-hmm. my parents, is not pretty. And so I didn't, like, I knew that it wasn't pretty. I was totally aware of that and i had no idea it was affecting me on a day to day level but it was it was definitely a huge problem that i was having in how i dealt with my wife and how i the conversations that we had my inability to hear what she was saying and respect her opinions on things it was both my parents were very much like that in their relationship
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know unpacking that stuff and looking at it and saying oh wow this is this is definitely still affecting me and then you know being okay with the past that you've had but being aware of it made a huge difference for me and so like I want to I want to help people do that I want to help people look at their stories and be honest with themselves and be able to like you know have a, a judgment-free place where they can talk about those things and the mistakes that they've had from those mistakes and how they can continue on in the future not making those same mistakes by you know kind of reclaiming their narrative and you know really just talking
2: about that stuff.
0: Oh, I love all that. That's awesome. It's like what I'm hearing from our conversation so far in our 33 minutes of speaking together. Uh, maybe we'll say 31 because I had, you know, that funny little intro stuff, but like yeah. in our approximately 30 minutes of talking, everything I'm hearing about like if we're going to say that we all have a purpose, like what I'm hearing for yourself is like The common theme of wanting to help people whether that Mm -hmm. was you know the firefighting stuff or like the coaching stuff you're doing now and i just think that's really cool like you're able to apply it no matter what like whatever like it's easy to say my purpose is firefighting but it's like deep down what is like the actual like core of what that job is say and it's like it's helping people someone else that might be serving people it might be providing this or providing that. And I just think it's really cool that, like, that's still prevailing for you, regardless of, like, all the past stuff you've experienced.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely, helping people is something that I've always been drawn to do. And Mm. I've done it in weird ways. And, like, my wife will (laughs) will always talk about, she's like, you're the first person to find, whenever we were, like, younger in our our relationship, you'd always be pulled up with some, like, you know, uh, 20-year-old something girl helping her talk through her issues with her boyfriend because like all like it was the easiest way to help somebody at a party is like you know you always find somebody who is like you know i would just be having a conversation and they would be like yeah it's been tough and i would just keep asking questions and like those questions would get deeper and deeper and deeper (laughs) before you know it she's crying and it's like you know i'm trying to comfort her and she's like why do you always do this and i'm like i don't know like it just (laughs) it just happens i didn't do it on purpose I wasn't seeking out the, the, the most vulnerable person at the party. It's just yeah. I just start talking to people and like I wanna get into their heads and help them see themselves. And that's you mm-hmm. know, that's the whole thing is that through these, you know, through all these experiences, I've been able to learn how to see myself and realize that was the big problem I was having in all these different areas where I was unhappy because I didn't see myself. I didn't respect myself, I didn't have I didn't have a high place for myself in my heart and my mind. You know, I'd let all the other experiences of other people push me down farther and farther and make me less important to myself. And I don't ever want anybody to have to continue feeling that. I, if I can help them out of that, that's the podcast is a big part of that is that I want to be able to give that to as many people at the same time as possible. It's like If I can help you feel more like yourself and love yourself more, then I've done my job. Even if it's just one or two people who hear this and you know and feel that way. You know, and that's I'm sure you feel the same way as whenever somebody tells you like, hey, I listened to that episode and man, like it really hit me as like I'm like, tear, like I'm so glad that what I'm doing like actually makes you feel seen. Like it feels good to help other people feel seen. And you know, of course doing it as a career is a is both a super exciting prospect and a risky one because I love doing it, but also you have to charge people to do something that, you know, that it feels kind of weird to charge people money to try to help them heal and feel better because you want to do that to everybody for free. But also I want to, I want to be able to be a a source of stability and, you know, providing for my family. And it's like, so I'm trying to marry those as closely as possible to where I'm not like, you know, this million dollar uh, counselor, but also. My family isn't, you know, like, hey, are we gonna be able to eat next week?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's I would say something a lot of people probably question, you know, in the coaching realm. Um, I don't I personally don't have any experience with it, but I know like the pole studio owner that I'm good friends with, like her and I have talked about that kind of stuff a little bit and what it was like for her hosting like different types of lesson things you know on the side not necessarily with like pole dance but like embodiment movement or whatever like she knit the way i can remember her phrasing it was like she knows the value she brings and it's just like recognizing it within yourself for the people she wants to provide that for and it's like you know obviously you don't want to be charging people like an insane amount but you also can't like lowball yourself so it totally is like a weird thing where it's like how do you make it not icky when it's like exactly the root of it all is capitalism. But like,
2: (laughs) obviously
1: if we were living in a socialist country where I could, you know, you could feed my family and I could come talk to you for two hours and and help you see yourself better. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Like, and then I could go do it for somebody else who would, you know, they, they provided the cars and I'd be able to have a car as long as I came, you know, every other week and talk to them for two hours. Like I would, love that'd be great. Yeah. I would love to be Ugh. able to barter the thing I have with anybody, with anybody, to get the thing that they have. That'd be amazing.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately,
1: yeah. this society does not does not foster that at all.
0: Oh yeah, it makes me constantly question. Maybe I just need to like move to the woods, start a little commune. <laughs> yeah.
1: the, the word commune has come up with me, my wife, and our friends so many times. I was oh, like, that's awesome. Even at one point, like I'd I'd started to assign people roles in the commune. It's like when we go to the commune. I'm going to cook, but, I, you know, and also be, like, the counselor. And you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And, you know, like we started really talking about it, but alas, it never happened. And uh, now, we're, is... now we're moving up to the northeast, and we're going to be leaving our friend group behind, which is super depressing.
2: Oh,
0: no.
1: I mean, but we're excited to move. Though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Moving's great. It's hard to leave people behind, but mm. you can always visit. That's That's, that's been my biggest, doing? like uh I almost said choice my biggest like lesson in this choice to do the travel stuff is like you can always come back I'll be like mm-hmm. you know catching myself crying I'm like I miss my friends and then it's like eh, we're all doing our own thing <laughs> well, well yeah. there's always that coming back together you know
2: <laughs> yes absolutely Yay.
0: Yeah. okay well I I do have a another I have a few more questions but this yeah, one I, I think I'm Kai's good in... on
1: time we can I've, this is going great for me so I can go as long as you want to go
0: Hell yeah! Okay, cool. Well, we're just gonna do all of them then. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's do
0: it. Uh, okay. How have you noticed a shift in your relationship with loved ones since you got into the coaching realm? And you're no doubt growing your interpersonal skills. And obviously, you were probably you know seeing that kind of growth before like making it a business. But I'm I'm curious yeah. like what you've learned with like getting more into it and having that time for yourself.
1: Definitely, the firstly, what I've like getting more self-aware has been a, a pretty massive overhaul for me because mm-hmm. the toxic relationships that were existing in my in my life had been going on for a long time, and as I was getting that self-awareness, those relationships really started to like bubble and boil and become caustic and like my mother and i we we've stopped speaking because she had become the most toxic person in my life and that was so hard That was like it was an extremely tough decision that initially she made for me because she got so mad at me that she yelled she yelled at me and hung up the phone on me and i thought the next thing i heard about her is that she tried to commit suicide and based off the conversation that we had which was you know this is a a toxic topic on its own but like Mm -hmm. she she was really insistent that i needed to get my kids vaccinated for COVID 19. And I told her that there wasn't her business. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't like, it wasn't about whether I wanted to or not. I was like, you, you need to let this go. It's not you. We disagree on it. We need to be able to have a disagreement and move on. And she is such a narcissist that she then started to throw stones at me and tell me, you know, things like if, you know, if I could change one thing about you, it'd be this. And, you know, you think that you had such a bad childhood in the, and just, like, really throwing things that were, like, super hurtful and really... And I, and I eventually just said, like, you can't talk to me like this anymore. Like, this is not fair. Yeah. And so she screamed at me and hung up. And I was like, how is it that you get to talk to me like that, and I tell you that it's not fair that you talk to me like that, and you take that as a, a signal to do this extremely grand uh, attention move? Like, and, you know, maybe she was really trying, but I don't think so. And... Yeah from that point she wouldn't answer my phone call because I was like, I heard that and I, I tried to reach out and I was like, I felt kind of responsible and then she wouldn't actually wouldn't call me back. And her, her husband, my stepdad said that um she just needed some time and, you know, she, she just felt like things were kind of, kind of raw and she, you know, whatever, but she was taking the, and I was like, is she at least taking the time in the, the hospital? Which they, you know, they put her in a 72 hour hold and yeah. I was like, is she at least taking the time to work on herself and like, Really appreciate this help. She's like, he said, uh, no. She said, she said that it was an accident. Like she, you know, she just mixed up her pills and blah blah blah. And I was like, tomorrow like you've got you've got to be kidding me. You know that that's not the case. She's been taking, you know, handfuls of pills every day for 20 years. She knows how to take her medicine.
2: Mm-hmm. This, and
1: this was specifically after we had this conversation and we got in this fight. And I was the last one of her kids who. She felt like she still exerted control over. Mm-hmm. And that then this happens. And he was like, well, you know what, you know, she you know how she is. Like, she she says it, so I believe it. And I'm like, Okay. So she's not even gonna appreciate this time and it's gotten this bad. She's not gonna try to be she's not gonna try to get help for it. I need to separate myself from this situation. And yeah. I'd separated myself and I was thinking about when I was gonna call her and try to, you know, rebuild things and she didn't even say anything to me until the weekend it was my daughter's birthday, um, Easter weekend, and one other big thing was happening. And she called in the middle of that. Oh, no, she texted me and was like, "You know, I'd like to, you know, maybe talk to you and try to." And I was like, "No, you don't. You just want to have a fight in the middle of this important weekend where all this stuff is going on, and you're upset because you're not the center of attention right now." And it was it was really hurtful to see her do that thing. But it was also helpful to see, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, sick. I was pretty sure she was a narcissist, but now it's really obvious that she is really trying to do everything she can. Yeah, it was definitely very confirmational. And um, so as as I'm growing and looking at my own story, and I've got my mom on one side who is just a total narcissist, and my dad, who from all my childhood was very manipulative and was dealing with this narcissist in a very toxic way, like they were... They were not good together. So the divorce mm-hmm. was a good thing, but they still continued to be bad for each other even after that. And, um, like, I was, so as I'm growing and learning more about myself, I'm learning all these different bad habits and, uh, and tendencies that have been in my family. It was, it was a huge growth period for me because I had lived with these things unlabeled for so long that I was just completely unaware of the control they had in my life. And being able to like grow and see that myself made it so much easier to take the next step of starting to appreciate myself and become a person who actually showed up as themselves and said, "Accept me or don't. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with me." And from that step, leaving the fire department was the other thing that was a huge weight off my chest, and being able to show up for myself each day. And then it was like, I want more people to be able to feel like this. This this is such a different way to wake up every day I you know I was able to have space to improve my relationship because
2: yeah
1: I didn't realize how um how underserved my wife was because I had so much of my own stuff going on in my mind at all times that I could never really make space for what was going on between us and the communication really opened up there which made which made things so much better um and yeah there's been a, there's been a lot of growth in in taking this step and um, you asked there's a second part to that question.
2: Uh.
0: Um, you answered it. It was it was oh. kind of just a long witted question. I was like, no, yeah. like, you, you touched on it. You touched on it. I I think yeah. it's cool that like i it's, you know, definitely a journey that never ends. And I think that's just, you know, something where it's just like the, I don't want to say the options, the, the like the sky's the limit kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and now you get to, I guess, like pass that torch or pass it on to other people. And I think that's super cool. And like it's something that you can always learn from and like continue to apply to yourself too. Which, yeah, and
1: like, especially as I've started to go down the podcast journey and I've had all these really great, like inspirational engage, and engaging conversations is that it is definitely a, continual, like a continually evolving process where you talk to people and they say something that you hadn't thought of before. And if you are being authentic and you are being self-aware, that means that you are aware of the fact that you're not perfect and mm-hmm. you are, you're able to be open and listen to other people's opinions and, you know, and their ideas and you're able to take them in and they're not able, you're able to come, to just contemplate them and figure out if they're right for you or not. You don't immediately try to wear everything that everybody puts out to you. And that's like that's a very different place for me that I think that everybody should be is that people's opinions like are like clothes just because they have them doesn't mean that they fit you. Like it's sometimes they do fit and sometimes they don't and it's okay to just try it on and see what it is and it's like, "Oh, you know what? This actually does feel good." Like I hadn't really thought of this. But this is a this is a great like thought process for me. Or you know, um, like for example, one of my conversations with uh, one of my friends that we had on our podcast was she talked about how her her mother had like had her doing affirmations from the time she was like you know seven or eight years old, and so she's now a very sure and confident person. When things get tough, she has something that she has she's able to lean on and look like look at and it's like yes, yeah, she still gets sad, she still gets depressed, but she's able to know that it's not her fault that some days are bad and that's not something I had. And I was like, I want to do that for my children because that's a great idea. Like affirmations in childhood is something I never even considered because that's not how I was raised. So now like I, you know, part of our homeschool routine is to do affirmations every day where they, you know, talk about being resourceful and and, uh, independent and able to conquer any dream that they, that they have with themselves because that's something that you have, that you have to teach yourself to believe once you get older like everybody believes it's starting out but our our world doesn't necessarily foster that belief forever so you have to yeah. continue to reaffirm that often
0: uh it's it's a it's a journey that's for sure uh, yeah. everyone can definitely benefit from it just like therapy <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: two two different things but you know they they go hand in hand
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah like i'm you know i definitely. um want to have a place in people's lives where i help them grow but i definitely don't want to take the place of a therapist because the kind of growth that i want to provide in people's lives is not in lieu of therapy it works it would work best with therapy but it would also (laughs) work without therapy it just exists on a whole different level it's like because there is deep trauma healing that people do that is very important and that takes you know psychological help but there's also just being able to look at the narrative and be able to make, you know, causal links that don't involve deep therapy work. They involve just conversations and being able to, like, have somebody else, like an objective party, look at it and say, hey, did you notice this? And then sometimes that's enough to say, I had not noticed that. You're absolutely right. Like, let's see how I go moving forward, knowing that thing. And then trying to act and trying to live that in my life and be genuine in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it fosters, like, that curiosity and then also, like, therapy the word itself already has like a stigma to it for a lot of people um you know if they're able to go like more the coaching realm first and you know meet with someone like you and are made aware of different types of things maybe then that allows them to like go down that path towards therapy because oh wow like there's so much more here than like what meets the eye
2: and
1: yeah, for some people, it is it is yeah. a hard thing to be genuine enough to say I need therapy, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. you know that is really hard for me to even wrap my mind around because it's a like needing help on that level. It just makes sense to me. Like I been yeah. I've been to therapists many times. Like I don't I don't continually see a therapist right now, but when things have gotten dark and tough for me, I've I've seen therapists and it's always helped me out. And I'm not foreign to. Which, you know, it's funny because both for men and for, you know, the black culture, it's not common to Mm -hmm. think of therapy as something that we do, but it's something that has always been, not always, as as an adult has been something that I've, maybe it's because the stuff I did have with, you know, going to jail, part of that was I did have to get some counseling, and that led to therapy, and, you know, all that stuff kind of ended up being, you know, useful to me, and yeah, so I definitely... I, if you are having trouble seeing that you saying that you need therapy maybe you need an authenticity coach to help you say what you really need and then go get it
0: <laughs> and all those details will be down here in this bio <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in this episode bio <laughs> A little promo shout out we're almost Love i have it. two more questions wait let's see i have like two to three more questions depending on how i want to go tough. about it
1: Love but it. <laughs> love it. i'm I'm really enjoying this so yeah it's,
2: Oh yay. I, I, um, I told you
1: i wasn't sure how i would do on the other side um being <laughs> the person being asked the questions but i am totally enjoying it i love talking about myself
2: so it's, yeah it's yeah a... oh
0: my gosh no you're killing it you're killing it i i could Thank listen you. to you for hours it's very engaging and important stuff that you know it's like if you're if you're going to talk about stuff it may as well be like you know mind-boggling life altering shit you know what i mean
1: (laughs) i I, I totally agree like that's part of the reason why i didn't get along in the fire department because Mm. I wasn't very good at topical conversations i i feel that yeah it's like (laughs) let's talk about what's really going on here and it's like yeah i don't want to talk about that i was like the my like let's just go back to work then like i'm not gonna really talk i'm wasting time oh
0: man no i feel i feel like i'm good at like stumbling through it and like faking that it's okay to be having surface level conversation but like the whole time I'm just there and I'm all this is so unnatural and so uncomfortable and such a waste of my breath which all sounds so negative and I recognize that (laughs) but like there's so much going on in here and why don't we share you know what I mean
2: (laughs) yeah
1: I've I've, part of me accepting my authentic self was not not having small talk anymore but moving through it as quickly as humanly possible and eliminating conversations that weren't leading somewhere it's like if we if we weren't going to move to the serious stuff then i i'm okay with us just not having a conversation and like it i had to get past the point where it's like this is just me you know you just have to accept (laughs) me this is how i am i was like no that's not how it's like i'm like i'm a person who's constantly trying to grow and is trying to be better
2: yeah um at life
1: on the whole but me being better at life doesn't mean that i have to talk to you about stuff that doesn't matter It means that I have to be okay with you talking about stuff that doesn't matter and let you live your life to, you know, the best of of your ability
2: without me getting
1: in your way from doing so. (laughs) And it's like, so I'm just going to remove myself from this conversation and you keep going on talking about the weather and I just don't care or highways. (laughs) My dad always talks about like highway. He's like, you know, if you take this highway to this highway, I'm like, Oh my God, I (laughs) do not care. Like if I'm not traveling that like that way, specifically for some to go on an adventure myself, and I don't need to know yeah
0: <laughs> it's like information overload and you're all but what about all yeah. these things it's so funny I yeah. I'm curious since this is like something we have in common what do you notice about like your friendships I will talk specifically about friendships because this is just something that mm-hmm. like I guess I've been recognizing but I want to hear your insight and like how you recognize the nature of your friendships growing up and like starting to like you know, make that space for yourself if it's something where you're not, like, enjoying yourself as much. Because I know for me personally, like, I reflect on the, like, wonderful friendships I have and just, you know, how important and how special they are. And with that, like, we don't talk every day. We don't you know, Snapchat every day, whatever, like, whatever thing it may be, like, it, it's not like a constant texting conversation or whatever, but when we do talk, it's like a two-hour phone conversation, and we're catching up, and it's da-da-da-da, and you, like, pick up, you know what I mean? Like, you pick up where you left off, yeah. which I know is a common thing, but, like, I, well, yeah. I, I think
1: <laughs> I, I definitely, I'm feeling what you're, like, putting out, and I definitely agree. Um, I can definitely say that until I stopped trying to be, like, topical, you know, within my friendships, I didn't really have friends like mm-hmm. until I moved down, moved to Oklahoma City like nine years ago. I didn't, ha- like, none of those, nobody I knew from that time carried over to now. I, so yeah, I had yeah. no real friendship. I had had a couple, but every like real, like what I consider real friendship before I moved down here was all people who were only okay with those topical relationships mm-hmm. because they were liars. Like they were people yeah. who lied, like lied consistently and constantly about our friendship to me and to everybody who knew that we were friends. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that's why they were okay with you know this this friendship that didn't really provide anything to either one of us because they were using me as cover. And whenever I started to look at the friendships I started to have as I you know became a came down here became a firefighter and I didn't make any friends in the fire department, but I made lots of friends with our homeschool group and. Started to connect with people who had similar values to me was that for one, I was too exhausted to pretend. Whenever I met these people, so they they knew they knew me as my real self. Like they got to meet me because it's like I'm tired. Like I can't put up with any BS right now. you don't want to have a real conversation, I'm gonna go take a nap in the corner because this job is hard. And then people were like, "That's cool. Like we appreciate what you do and you know whatever." And then I talked to them whenever I had a little bit of energy, and they 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 liked me anyway. I didn't put on a show. I didn't try to convince them of anything. I didn't try to be anything I wasn't. And they liked me. And that was the first step on me starting to actually like be myself. And those people are the friends I still have today is that they were like, we don't have to talk every day. We, you know, sometimes we don't talk for two or three weeks, but then when we do talk, everybody comes over to my house and we have, you know, really deep conversations and we just jump right in. You know, that's, that's, what i noticed what my friendships is there's not a whole lot of like warming up you know it's like hey how's yeah. how's this person how's this person all right what's going on with you and then we you know we yeah. you know whatever's going on is like what's well, what's going on and we get into it and <laughs> you know and we're there for each other in that way and i'm definitely always the first person to stick my nose in whatever it doesn't belong because i'm like hey it seems like something's going on with you and i care so if i can help like i want to know about it so you know yeah. sorry if i'm overstepping but Here's what I, think. you know, I still always want to try to like be wary of that. I've gotten much better at saying like, Hey, can I, can I give you my, my opinion on this thing? And usually people are, you know, my friends are like, yeah, sure. What do you think? Luckily? Cause if they didn't, we always have, our hangouts are super long. We Usually like <laughs> hang out from three to like six. And I would probably say like, uh, I'm going to tell you anyways. <laughs> I've definitely noticed that um, now all of my friends, it doesn't matter how Mm -hmm. long we go without seeing each other, it's hours. And we, you know, we just really talk about life and, you know, the struggles we've gone through and, you know, how it is raising kids and the problems we've had, you know, because everybody that I'm friends with, we all have three kids or more. And so we're like all in that big family struggle and, you know, problems at work and struggles we've gone through. And that's, yeah. And that's really the kind of relationships and friendships that I want in life because it, it is very fulfilling. Like, I don't leave my friends and think, like, oh, God, I hate this person. Like, I wish they didn't come over. Yeah, like everybody yeah. who I see and spa- who enjoys being in my space is real. Like, they really enjoy being in my space because if they, if they didn't, like, they would definitely be found out because I'm going to ask you all the questions and you're going to have to at some point be honest and be like, okay, dude, like, I don't really like this and you would not want to come over anymore. <laughs> Like my food's not that good. <laughs>
2: oh, oh my gosh.
0: Friendships are so funny, you know, aren't funny they? What's funny is that, you know, we're
2: really able to they are dive in. Are. I guess if you, you go ahead.
1: Okay, what's funny is that, you know, um I don't know if it's just being ADHD or if it's you now sometimes i have a question like if i'm on the spectrum just a little bit because mm-hmm. as much as like i love my people i can also go three months without seeing seeing anybody but my wife and be okay um well it's without seeing my people because like i need to have some kind of focus on doing stuff and having experiences and like i shouldn't regularly or else yeah. i will go a little start crazy because i'm an extrovert and i need to be around people but like if i don't see my like my people it's like i'm totally satisfied with that but then whenever I'm reminded of my people and then or i'm in there like they're we're in each other's space it's like oh yeah this this feels amazing like it's it's hard right after not to like immediately see them again like in two days it's like, even though like my wife is definitely exhausted because she's an introvert but she loves our people but she gets she's like okay nobody else over over for like a week and a half i'm like okay i'm like i just had people over i want to do it again while that feeling's fresh and i remember how much i love being around my people before i get you know I get into my whatever thing I'm into and I totally Aww. forget how much people, how important people are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> balance. <laughs> <sighs>
0: yeah. I was in, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say. I was like, well, it's balance. <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. And I know, I wouldn't call this small talk, but, you know, we were shit-talking the small talk. And we recognize its importance, but we're shit-talking how it feels. Um, This is more goofy and also, like, you know, just a way to, like, close it in. Make a a nice little sandwich of all the deep stuff we just talked about. (laughs) But I want to know, Bruce, would you rather get lost in space or deep in the sea?
2: Can can you... (laughs) Can you be a
1: little more specific with Lost in Space? Because what what are my materials and my resources there? Because that's terrifying. Like, Lost in Space is very scary.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Ooh.
0: I guess let your imagination go rampant, you know? It's like both mm. you're starved of oxygen, so I would assume you have the basic need of that. But yeah, what, yes. what would you prefer? <laughs>
1: I'm, okay, I'm only because... The vast expanse of space starts to get to me whenever I think about it too much, and I feel like if I was lost in space, I would think about it a lot, and that <laughs> would that would drive me a little crazy. Um, I saw this video recently on Instagram that was yeah like the it was like an extrapolation of what it would look like to like go backwards from our planet all the way out to like the multiverse, and the extremity of it really blew my mind, and so I'm like, hmm." like the i know the ocean is so un, so unexplored that it's also <laughs> very vast but i think that i would rather be in the ocean where there i know that there is some end at some point like i i know that it ends like that 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 would give me a little mm-hmm. bit of solace not a lot like it would give me a little bit like, and also there would be a lot of cool stuff to see in the ocean as opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. there's so much emptiness in space like there's there's always like you know even if it's just plankton mm-hmm. or whatever there's there's always something floating by in the ocean i wouldn't you know
2: yeah i think i would rather be the ocean yes. the extrovert needs something around him and My,
1: even I if it's plankton,
2: plankton you're now. good what what's your answer to that question <laughs>
0: Oh well, share all your social stuff, and I'll also include it in the you know episode description. But but shout all your stuff out before we close it. Answer that
1: question.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I recently got
0: open water scuba certified, and the like feat of overcoming my fear of the ocean in general, but also just like holy shit I'm breathing underwater you know that was like a big thing for me and I want to say pre-achieving mm. that I would say space <laughs> and now that yeah. I have achieved that I would say ocean um space freaks me out for sure the ocean does too but I uh I, I wish I could think about this from a perspective of like not hearing your answer first but I totally didn't think about like you know, at some point there is a bottom to the ocean. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Like, it doesn't feel like it when you're floating around in it. It it does
2: exist. (laughs) But it's there. I know that.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get, let's see, from like more of like a a logical perspective, I'm like, okay, assuming I have like limitless oxygen and I have like a tank on or something or whatever, like – I can, like, you know, take the respirator off, take a bite of a fish, put it back in, swallow a little yeah. bit of salt water, but at least I'm eating, you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, that's, that's like, at least I can eat.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about eating. Like,
0: <laughs> I, I got to think, think about food. Got to think about food. Thank
1: you so much. Yeah, um, to pick up on your last thing, my socials are, you can um, follow, if you're interested in my personal yes. life, that's um, on Instagram at Wayne. Um, That is my Instagram where I share personal stuff and you can see my kids and all that stuff. And uh, then my, uh, my business account where I talk about the podcast and my coaching business is um, at authentic identity management. And that's on Instagram, Facebook threads and uh, LinkedIn. And I'm also on Twitter and YouTube at, at authentic Bruce. So that's both the YouTube channels, authentic Bruce YouTube channel. And, you can see podcast video there, and like little clips
2: of our conversations, which Kaitlin will now be on next week. Is that when you're scheduled for? That's super. Yeah, exciting. yeah. I picked I'm it for Monday.
1: Um, also, I've got a website that I don't actually push because, like, I have pivoted. Like initially, I wanted to do like a similar thing, but also like uh, keeping like graphic design involved, where like I can help people be more authentic in their content as well. But it was it was. Oh. It was it was too much of a it was too big of a project like it's not that I couldn't Mm. do the the job but like trying to sell that was just it was too much to try to figure out how to do so it's something that on the back end of you know people's authenticity in their content is something they're having problems with that we'll talk about and maybe chase that road chase down the road but I feel like focusing on the the aspect of just being authentic and you know and the way you present is is where I need to be right now because I really enjoy that and if you're interested in setting up a, a free 30-minute consultation with that, you can email me at Bruce at com, And um, I would love – you can also just reach out to me on socials. I don't have a phone for just that yet, but I probably should get one. Um, but, I, yeah, I really love talking to people about this stuff, and I genuinely want to help people show up more as themselves on a day-to-day basis because it, it's a better way
2: to live. It is exhausting to try to be something. Oh, hell yeah. Well, with that, thank you everyone for listening to
0: another episode of What Do We Call This Podcast. That was Bruce Alexander, my next wonderful, wonderful guest. (laughs) Uh, Till next time, y'all. Peace out.